Well, one of the great profs that I had in my life was Pro- Professor Hendricks, Prof Hendricks at Dallas Seminary. Uh, and so everybody called him Prof. If you just said Prof, everybody knew you were talking about Professor Hendricks. He used to say this. He said, every person needs three people in their lives. He says, we all need a Paul, which is a mentor. We all need a Barnabas, which is an encourager. And we all need a Timothy, somebody to disciple. And so in, in our lives and in your life and in my life, we all need somebody who's like a mentor who's been further down the road. We all need somebody who's going to be the encourager that comes alongside with us now. And then we all need somebody that we're discipling. I wanted to be a little bit more personal this morning because some of the things I want to say are really just... They're really personal to me. And the first one, I wanted to talk about the people that were in my life, and I want to talk about the mentor. And and when it goes back to coaching, I, there was a man by the name of Bob Tyler. You've heard me speak of him. He's still alive. He's in Water Valley, Mississippi. His wife is Dale. I, I try to go see them, if I can, at least once a year when I go to, to Lower Alabama, to L.A., to Lower Alabama. I go through Mississippi, of course, and I, ho- I, I love to get to see them. He was my hero. He came to coach at Meridian High School when I was a senior, and it was like God put us together. He went on to be the head coach at Mississippi State, and I ended up coaching there with him at Mississippi State. And he he was my hero. And I saw not only how to be a coach through him, but I saw about how to live life. Then there's a second person in my life that God put in. It was the guy named Knapp Clark. We called him Knapp. His name was James V. Clark, but they called him Knapp because he fell asleep a lot. And so they called him Nap, and that was kind of the joke, but he was incredible. And he was like a second dad to me. He taught me the grace message of salvation. He taught me that you're to teach the Bible, not preach. Now, it's not that people preach, but we're talking about we're, our goal is to, our role is to teach the Word of God. He taught me that. And uh, Coach Tyler is still alive. Nap died several years ago, and uh, it, it made me very sad. And so here's a question. Who in your life who was before you? Who has been a mentor to you in your life? Because we all need one. And, and, and you could even say, well, who's a mentor in your life now? And this morning, we're going to see the life of Elisha. And in reality, his mentor was Elijah. Uh, they, they, he, he went and got Elisha, brought him in, and taught him. And so as we, as we look at this this morning, we're going to see the anointing of Elisha, which we've seen. You've already seen this in the life of Elijah, and we've already seen Elisha get in the double portion. So I'm going to go fairly quickly through that, but I want you to see some of this today again, because here's the thing that uh, you may say, well, JB, well, I thought we had this already. Well, this is a different study, and if we taught this somewhere else, you couldn't leave out chapter one. I mean, you couldn't do it, because you couldn't just start by saying everybody already knows this, because they wouldn't know this. So we'll look at it. We'll see how it begins. We've uh, looked at the life of Elijah, and we saw some things. Remember, Elijah was a prophet of God. He was raised up in a mighty way to confront but confront the nation of Israel, but he had a problem, and the problem was he got depressed, and he ran and hid, and he wanted to die. And we saw what God did in that chapter, how he did six different things to bring Elijah out of the depression. And one of those was to give him a friend and to give him something to do. And if you're in 1 Kings chapter 19, look at verse 15. I'm going to put it up like this. Look at verse 15. The Lord said to him, he's talking to Elijah, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazael, king over Aram. You shall anoint Jehu, the, the son of Nishmi, and he shall be king over uh, Israel. And Elisha, look, there he is, the son of Shaphat, the son of Abel-Mahalah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. 
Now, we start right there. And he says, Elijah, you got this job. Anoint Hazael, anoint Jehu, anoint Elisha. This is the first real mention of this Elisha guy that we're fixing to study. And we know that he's fixing to be anointed by the great prophet Elijah. And when he does that, from that point on, Elisha is going to be something unique and special. And so look at verse 19. So he departed from there, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him. And he was with the 12, and Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. If you remember when we talked about this, he was plowing, and Elijah came with that special mantle, remember, that set him apart as a prophet, and he threw it over Elisha, and what he's really saying is, you're a prophet now. You're going to be a part of this with me. You're going to do what he did. And if you notice in verse 20, it says, he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me go back and kiss my father and my mother, and then I'll follow you. And he said, okay, go back. And then so he returned from following him. He took a pair of oxen. He sacrificed them. This is verse 21. And then it says, Elijah ministered to him. Now, what we're going to see is Elijah is going to be the mentor. And in our lives, as we started at the very beginning, who is your mentor? Who is your encourager? And who is your disciple? Who are you taking what you know and passing on to somebody else? Because see, what we're going to find is Elijah passes on to Elisha. And it's really, really powerful. So uh, Elisha arose and followed after Elijah. It's really, really powerful. But look at this. Who is your mentor? Who is further down the road in the Christian life, in the being a dad, being a husband, uh, being a, in a job? Who is further down the road that you look to to help you? And when we think about it from a spiritual aspect, we all need somebody that's been down the road and that you can learn from and be the mentor, as as Prof. Hendrick would say. You need somebody, and then you need somebody that's your encourager, and then you need somebody that you are teaching, you are passionate on. Uh, You know, we've we've been talking a lot about this in my 2-2 class, but the bottom line is every one of us in this room, you, you should have a mentor and you should have an encourager, but you should also have a Timothy. You should have somebody you're discipling. And so we're going to look at this. Uh, David, of course, uh, it comes along. Joshua follows Moses. We, we see all this. So let's look. That's, that's the, the first one. But let's look at the second thing. Elisha's getting the double portion. And we already have seen this as well. But I want to bring some things out to you as we go through it. So look at, go, go over to 2 Kings, which we've already been in, and 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. And this is the, the famous event that we saw, which was really the, the last two lessons uh, of our study of the life of Elijah, was this passage right here. And we're going to go very quickly through it, but I want you to see it. And I'm going to raise, I'm going to raise some questions for us, okay? So at verse, uh, chapter uh, 2, verse 1, and we're going to see it's time for Elijah to go to be with God, and Elijah's ministry is over. Well, if Elijah's ministry is over, who's supposed to take over? Why? How does Elisha know he's supposed to take over? Because what has Elijah been doing? Mentoring him, training him, and we look at the Bible and we say, well, what, 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 what happens after Elijah's gone? Well, there's Elisha, and then there's going to be Isaiah, and there's going to be Jeremiah, and there's going to be Ezekiel, and there's going to be Daniel, and there's going to be Hosea, and Joel, and Amos, and Joel. There's going to be all these men, these prophets are going to be raised up by God to deal with the nations and the nation of Israel and the nation, basically, of, of Judah, Israel and Judah. We're going to see this. 
And in our lives, you look at it, there's Paul, and Paul to Timothy, and Timothy to somebody else. That's what 2 Timothy 2, Paul says, take the things I've taught you, Timothy, and trust these two faithful people as more, so they can teach others. And we can see the pattern. And the pattern is that who is your mentor, who is your encourager, and who is your Timothy, who is your disciple? And every one of us in this room, most Christians don't think this way. Most Christians say, I trusted Christ, I'm going to heaven, I go to church to learn, and other, and, but the idea of, okay, sharing their faith, they say, I think I'm supposed to, but I hardly ever do it because I'm afraid. And then the idea of teaching somebody else, they go, well, that's for JB or, and for selected Christians. It's not just for, for us. That's for every one of us in this room. Every one of us in this room are to disciple other people. That's what the whole thing of making disciples is all about. So let's see what happens. It says, it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. So they're together, and it's about time for them to be taken up. And as you flip on over to verse 8, <clears throat> they kill, come to the Jordan River. Go back to, to verse 7. Basically, it says, now, 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them and stood at the distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. So they go to the Jordan River. And it says, <coughs> Elijah took his mantle and folded it together and struck the waters, and they were divided here and there so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. I always, I always want to bring out the fact that it's dry ground because it, it's, it's not just that he stopped the water. It's the fact that he stopped the water, and where they walked, it was completely dry, where the water had been. I mean, this, it's miraculous things. I mean, when you see things in the Bible, people, I, I still remember, I, I remember talking to a guy, and he said that when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt, they, uh, th that it really wasn't like the Red Sea. It was actually called the Reed Sea. That's what he said. And the Reed Sea was, was very, very shallow, and it wasn't parted. They just, you know, walked across uh, in, in a little, little bit of water to get to the other side. And I said, so really, you think that's what it was? He said, oh, yeah. I, got. I said, well, how did the Egyptian army drown in, in this much water? if they're on horses and chariots. And he said, well, they, they didn't. I mean, that's all just a story. See, because some people just don't want to believe that God does miracles. This is a miracle. God takes Elijah and allows him to hit the water, and it parts, and they go on dry land. Pretty powerful stuff. And by the way, we talked about this. This is the last miracle of Elijah, and it'll be the first miracle of Elisha. And um, if you remember, we talked about this. But in, in verse 9, it says, And when they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you, for I'm taken from you. He says, What's, What do you want? You know, this before I go, I've spent... And we don't know how much time they spent together. It could be a year. It could be longer than a year. We just don't know how much time it is from the time of Elijah's depression until all this happened. But we just don't know. And, and it says, uh, ask what you want. And Elisha said, I want a double portion of the Spirit upon me. And, you know, we, when we talked about that, what, what, what do you want? And when he said, I want the double portion, just remember, it doesn't mean he said, I want to be twice as powerful as you are. Because, you know, it's the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not like, okay, you got 50%, I like 100%, or you got... It's, what he's saying, double portion, means I want to be the heir. Because the oldest son got the double portion. The oldest son was the heir. And he's basically saying, I want to get the same thing you got. I want to be the same thing you are. I want to represent God the way you do. Now, he already knows he's supposed to do that because what happened earlier? Elijah came up, put the mantle above him, and they've been together ever since. And he's the mentor. That's really what he is. 
and, and Elisha is being mentored. So he says, what happens? And then we know the famous saying, and he said that if you see me leave, he said, you've asked a hard thing. <laughs> you know, what he's really saying is, I want to be just like you. And Elijah says, I don't know if, what God's going to do. You've asked a hard thing. I can't guarantee something. But he said this, however, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be for you, but if not, it shall not be so. He says, God told me that if you see me leave, you get it. If you don't see me leave, you don't get it. Now, the one thought that I, I've had, and that I think through this, what if, what if he didn't see him leave? What's Elijah supposed, Elisha is supposed to do? I mean, he's, he's already been set apart. And so, you know, I, I think it's pretty much guaranteed he's going to see him leave. I mean, you know what I'm saying. But, but, but there's, nothing, there's nothing that we can say that we know that God's going to do this this way every time. Because God doesn't do things in the same way every time. When he healed people, he didn't heal them all the same way. Sometimes he put, he spit, put stuff on the, sometimes he touched them, sometimes he didn't touch them, sometimes he just said go, sometimes he did, I mean, he did all kind of different things. I still think of the guy that was blind and he took him outside and, and touched his eyes and he said, what do you see? He said, well, I, I think, I see people, they're walking around like trees. He said, oh, let me, let me fix that. <laughs> I mean, I just think of, of Jesus. He was just so amazing. I, I think of the night that they all came to the door at, at Peter's mother's house and the whole, it said the whole city was there. We know that means all the people were there. They were just wanting to get healed. And Jesus didn't walk out and say, okay, thank y'all for coming. Everyone is healed. You may go home. It doesn't say that. It says he dealt with each one of them. And that's what he does. And, that, and God doesn't do the same thing all the time. And even when Elisha is going to see him leave and is going to have his ministry as a prophet, it's not the same kind of ministry. And there are guys, I've known guys that they want to be pastors and they want to be just like Prof. Hendricks or they want to be just like Charles Ryrie or they want to be like somebody famous. Somebody, and you got, I was like, you, don't, you just got to be yourself. I remember in preaching class, sometimes guys would get up and they actually tried to sound like someone. And, and the professor would say, that's not, by the way, that's not your voice, right? Have you ever heard the preacher voice, right? Y'all know the preacher. Oh, thank you, Lord. For you know, I want to go, why don't you do, you, do you talk to other people that way? And it amazes me that people pray with the King James English. And you don't, you don't talk to anybody else with King James English except God. As if, you know, he can only read King James English. So just be yourself. And that, one of the things I think we got to remember is wherever God puts us, just be yourself. He made you with your gifts, your talents, your time, your possessions. He put you here for such a time as this, and every one of us are different. And he said, just be yourself. You don't have to be Elisha. You don't have to be like Elijah. You're not going to call down fire. You're not going to leave in a chariot. In fact, they, they, they're gonna, you're going to die, and they're going to bury you. That's what's going to happen to you. And for every one of us in this room, we just have to be ourselves. Because when, when some of you do things, it's different than I might do them. It's a lot better sometimes than I would do them. And the bottom line is, you, you are you. And I remember watching Prof. Hendricks teach, and sometimes I would be tempted to say, oh, I like the way he teaches. But I still have to be me. See, Prof. would go, okay, men, what I want to talk to you today is this. And that's how he did it. And... Uh, some people walk around a lot. I don't walk around a real lot. In Grow Group, I walk around more. Up there, I just, I don't move that much. Prof. Hendricks moved all the time. 
And so if you say, well, I want to be like Prophet Henderson, I want to move. No, Prophet Henderson say, don't be like me. You be like you. And so watch what happened. As they were going along, verse 11, and they were talking, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire which separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by whirlwind to heaven. It always amazes me, the chariot of fire and the horses of fire. Can you imagine what that looked like? And I'm telling you, I think the only person that saw it was Elisha. Because you remember the 50 prophets are over by the, they're over by the, out by Jericho and they're looking at the water, they're seeing the, the thing, and they, they don't know what happened to him because when they come back, they're saying, let's go try to find him. They don't know he was taken off in a chariot. I think the only person that sees it is Elisha. That doesn't say that, but that, that's my assumption. And I want you to think about this. He's gone. And the ministry is over. And, and look at the response. We saw this a couple of weeks ago. Verse 12, Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariot is of Israel and his horsemen. He knew, and he saw Elijah no more. He's gone. Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. He was so upset. You know, the tearing of clothes shows great emotion. And, and, and he shouted, and, and then look, look, I mean, this is amazing. He took hold of his clothes, tore them into pieces, took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Can, can you picture this? He, he's torn his clothes and then he sees, there it is. There's the mantle, the mantle that had thrown, got thrown on him at one time. He picks it up and he goes back to the Jordan River, as you know. And then he remember what it says. It says, he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. He struck the waters and said, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he also struck the waters, they were divided in there, and Elijah crossed over, Elisha crossed over. And I, I wonder, is he, when he's shouting and showing his great emotion, is, is he questioning? Because it's a question, where's the Lord, the God of Elijah? Is he actually saying, where are you, Lord? Are you here? Are you going to do the same for me that you did for Elijah? Or is he just shouting it out? Our Bibles, my, my Bible put a question mark. Did y'all put a question mark in your Bible? There aren't any, you know, in the, in the Bible, there aren't any, in the original languages, there aren't any punctuations. You can't tell whether it's a question mark or just the next, you know, where is the God? You know, who knows? But it divided and he crossed over. Now, I want to stop for a minute and talk about something. I'm going to get a little bit more personal for a second. But Elijah was the prophet and he mentored Elisha. But he's gone. What's going to happen to Elisha? Is Elisha going to carry on? Is Elisha going to say, I don't know what to do now. My mentor's gone. I, I, should I just go back to my house? What should I do? In our lives, we lose people. We lose people who love us, who mentor us, and they're gone. They're gone. I'm going to tell you something. My dad... Uh, my daddy was a great man, but for his, I, I know that he trusted Christ because a guy told me at his funeral that he said, I talked to your daddy once, and, and this is what he said. He made his peace with God. I don't know what that means exactly, but I'm assuming that my daddy trusted Christ. I don't know. Uh, my dad and I were, were close, but he was gone all the time. Isn't it funny? The greatest, one of the great memories I have is one Saturday morning, my daddy was going to, he, he, was a, he sold tires, BF Goodrich tires, to dealers, and he said, you want to go with me to this? And I can still remember going. I can still remember where we ate 
breakfast, where we actually ate lunch. I had Salisbury steak. I can still remember everything about it. It was that important in my life. If you asked my daddy, was that an important day? He'd have probably said, well, I, no, no, it was not that important. He's gone. He died when I was 26 years old. And then there's Coach Riley. I went to Delta State, and Coach Riley was the dean of men, but he was also the track coach. And when I got there, he, he, he immediately understood that what I wanted to be was a coach. Immediately. I'm just a sophomore in college. But he brings me into his office, and he says, I'm the dean of men, and I'm the track coach. But I can't always go out to the track to coach. So you're going to be the coach. You're going to coach. I'm going to t- we're going to meet. I'm going to tell you what to do. You're going to go out there, and you're going to coach them. And I did. And we had the greatest time. And Coach Riley came a lot, but I, I, I had a lot of it by myself. And the guys loved me, and I loved them. And so if I said, hey, Coach Riley, I want you to run 10 of these, they didn't say, I ain't doing it. They said, whatever Coach Riley says. It was a great time, one of the greatest times of my life. And I ended up being a graduate assistant coach. I was in college then, but then when I got to graduate school, which is at Delta State, I actually got paid. Uh, well, they paid part of my college to, to be able to go. Coach Riley was so amazing that uh, when we got, he even set up my own, his own file. So when I was getting ready to graduate, I had to go in to get my stuff, and the, the lady kept, couldn't find it. I said, well, it's under James Harold Bond, and she said, we can't find it. And Coach Riley comes out, and he says, what's the problem? He said, Coach Riley, we can't find J.B.'s file. And they said, oh, here it is. I've got it delivered to J.B. Bond. It was listed J.B. Bond, not James Harold Bond. You know, Coach Riley did everything, and he died. And I've still got a picture of me and Coach Riley and our track team together at a reunion. And I miss him so much. And Prof. Hendricks died. And after I first came to Stillwater and was at the other church, and we'd gone to about from about 25 to 50 to about 150, I went to see Coach Riley. I called him. I mean, uh, Prof. Hendricks, I called him, and I said, can I come meet with you? And I came and met with him, and I told him what I was doing. I told him I was trying to meet with the leaders, and I was trying to meet with men. And we talked, and he said, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. And he's dead, and I miss him. And Nap. Nap is the one who led me to Christ. And I wandered into that Bible study in somebody's room at Delta State on the athletic dorm, and they shut the door, and Ken Shepard was teaching, and Nap was sitting on one of the beds, and, and they led me to Christ that night, and Nap said, you know, I'm going to get you a Bible, and everything. And uh, when I came to Mississippi State, Nap happened to already be there, and I started going to his church, and, and then I started growing, and then I started asking him questions. And... Uh, I learned a lot from NAP. I did not learn organization from NAP because NAP was not organized. But, uh, uh, you know, you know, in the old days, the pastor would sit, would be, and he'd come out and sit on the stage. Y'all remember that in the old days? They had chairs. You'd come out. Well, NAP, we'd do that. And I was wor- working with NAP. I was like the assistant pastor for a while before I went to seminary. And NAP would never even think about time. I, I would look down, and it was supposed to start at 11. It was like 11.05. I'd say, NAP, we ought to be out there. And he went, oh, I guess so. You know, I mean, that was NAP. But he would teach the Bible, and he was so great. And guess what? He's gone. What are we supposed to do? Carry on. Take what we've been taught and carry on. And one of these days, I'm going to be gone, or some of y'all are going to be gone. And who are you training 
to come on behind you. Who are you training to come on behind you? That's what it's all about. What are we to do? We're to carry on the ministry. We're to stand strong. We're to fulfill our role. Because the people who have gone before us, it's like in Hebrews chapter 11, and those saints, and in Hebrews 12, it says, see, we've got this great cloud of witnesses going before us. Every one of us in our lives, where you are right now, obviously, if you come to a church that, likes the, that teaches the Bible and you like that, then you're unique. You're unique already. And if you come to a church that holds to a grace message of salvation, you're unique. Because there's a lot of people that don't want this. They don't want to be taught. They want to be entertained. And so who's going to come after you? Because one of these days I'll be gone. One of these days you're going to be gone. If the Lord doesn't come get us soon, which I think he might, if he doesn't come get us soon, who's going to carry on after you? And see, right now, my point was, what are we to do now? We're to carry on. Because the ones that have gone before us, Prof. Hendricks, Knapp, they, they're gone. They're gone. And there are times I said, boy, I wish I could call Knapp. Or I'll tell you what I really wish. I wish I could talk to my daddy. But they're gone. One day I'll see them. And one day will they all be united. But right now, what do we do? We carry on the ministry and we train and equip people to follow after us. But you don't know how long you got. And so who's coming after you? Who's coming after us? Finish the race. Be trained. Train others. Elijah's life affected many. Elisha's life affected many. Well, we saw this, so let me just throw this out. If you remember, he took the mantle, that was his picture of authority, and he, he hid it, and, and the waters divided, and of course, I put that up. Where's the Lord? Is he shouting or doubting? You know, is he, what is he really saying there? And if you remember, in verse 15, it says, and the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho, they saw him, and they said, the spirit of Elijah rest on Elisha, and they came and to meet him, and they bowed down before him, and this is what's so amazing, the spirit of Elijah is on him, and they bowed down they recognize that he's supposed to be the one to carry on. And guess what? What did Elijah do? Elijah trained Elisha. What's Elisha going to do? He's going to train his prophets. He's going to train other people. Who trains you? Who are you training? Who trained me? Who am I training? That's what it's all about. The whole issue is make disciples. The whole issue is take what we've been taught and entrust it to faithful people who will be teach others. Because how else are we going to go out and lead people to Christ and train them and equip them if we don't know the gospel and we don't know the Bible? We've got to know both to do both. So at, at the very end, of course, they came and they, they, they said, let's go find Elijah, Elijah, and they couldn't find him. It was all embarrassing because they couldn't find him. And he said, I told you we wouldn't find him because he's gone. And so... We've now beginning the life of Elisha. What's he going to do? Well, let me give you some applications so we can go to Grow Group. And let's, let's, let's understand that God carries on his ministry. He does. He does. And let me tell you, if you don't do it, somebody else will. And somebody else will, might do it with an unclear gospel. They might. Yeah. Who's faithful? That's the key. Elijah went to Elisha. Paul went to Timothy. Moses went to Joshua. The disciples went to the church fathers. And Knapp and Coach Tyler went to me. And who are we going to? We got it. God's going to carry on this ministry. So I got three things here. A, 
Thank God for those who have gone before us. If they're still alive, the people that have gone before you, if they're still alive, write them a letter this week and say, thank you for what you taught me. See, I'm going to write Ken Shepherd because Ken Shepherd's alive. I'm going to write Coach Tyler this week. I write him about once every four or five weeks anyway, but I'm going to write him this week and tell him why. If they're still alive, write them this week. Second is, continue in ministry. Continue in ministry right now. This is where God puts you. This is why you got trained. This is why you're being trained. Continue in ministry. And then look at this. Train others to come after us. That's what we see in Elijah and Elisha. And we want to be faithful.